Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the NFL Central Podcast where we take a look at the great sport of American football from over here in Australia. Well, the season is over, the Bucks are Super Bowl champions, but there's still plenty to talk about. We continue with our uh, division debrief series. Today we'll be looking at the AFC and NFC North as well as recapping some of the news since our last show. My name is Vashib. Joining me as always is Gordo. How have you been, Gordo? Bit sad to have no football this weekend. Uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird time, that time in between the NFL finishing and the uh, Aussie football starting. Um, we've got, what, about a month, hopefully, having just been sent back into lockdown, but we should be right. Yeah, got a bit of tennis to entertain us at the morning. Uh, at the moment. That's uh, certainly interesting. The match on last night with Kyrgios going down to Dominic Tim and, and more to come tonight. But uh, enough of other sports, on to the NFL. That's why we're here. And as I mentioned just before, we'll be doing both the NFC and AFC North debriefs. We'll start with the AFC North. And as we always do at the bottom of the division, it's the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 4-11-1 this year. That actually doubled their win total from last year in Zach Taylor's first year. They were 2-14. and Um the record still isn't great. The stats aren't great. Offensively, 29th in points and yards. Defensively, 22nd in points, 26th in yards. But, Gordo, I think uh, possibly the one shining star, the one positive to take out of this year was the, the QB position, the most important position, Joe Burrow. They drafted him first overall. Uh, he played 10 starts before suffering a season-ending knee injury in, in week 11. Um, 64% completion, 2,700 yards, almost 13 picks, 13 touchdowns, five picks. And it's really his performance, along with uh, the Bengals' organization's tendency to be patient with head coaches, that uh, that's really why um, Zach Taylor's back again for another year. Yeah, I think Burrow did almost exactly what we expected him to. I mean, he came in, he didn't do anything flashy. He wasn't he wasn't doing what Justin Herbert was, but he was that really solid Drew Brees kind of quarterback. He made the throws that he needed to. He didn't turn the ball over. He was really good for those first 10 games. And then, yeah, obviously, uh, he does his knee. This is the rest of the year, but he should be right to start next season. Yeah, the, um, they don't have any real stars when you look at Cincinnati. Um, no pro bowlers, no all pros. But, uh, you know, there are splashes of talent. Their second-round selection, the 33rd overall pick, uh, T. Higgins, I thought was very impressive. Tyler Boyd, another young wide receiver, started well. And they had big wins. They had wins against Tennessee, a playoff team in Week 8, and... The big win is, I think, week uh, 15 uh, at home to Pittsburgh on Monday Night Football. That was a massive win. Um, the, and then, look, defensively, Carl Lawson was the only player with more than two sacks. Uh, he had an all right season on, on the defensive line. It's just a question of where and how do they improve, especially with such a division. I mean, we know Pittsburgh's on the decline. We'll get to that later. But it's a very, very tough division to get back into. And they've certainly got an uphill battle uh, in Zach Taylor's third season, Gordo. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say that they've got no stars on this team. I mean, Jesse Bates, is, he was incredible this year. He was—he should have made the Pro Bowl. He probably should have been an All-Pro, but I think he might have actually made second-team All-Pro, but he was really good this year, and he's only 23. So they've got that. They've got another higher pick this year. Um, I think they've got some solid pieces to build around. I mean, yeah, offensively, Joe Mixon's good, but how much can you rely on a running back who only played six games for the year? But there's definitely some elements that you can build around on this team. Yes, it's certainly a young young team. And I think a lot of reasons people don't know a lot about Cincinnati is 
uh, they're not landmark names. Um, even the coaching staff, there aren't any big names. I was an advocate for bringing in a more senior, it maybe even a Jay Gruden, ex-offensive coordinator with um, Bengals for a few years back in the Marvin Lewis era, bringing in someone senior on the offensive side of the ball just to help Zach Taylor um, take a bit of pressure off, uh, you know, running the offensive when he's also the head coach down there because it seems like um, – just seems like he's got a lot in his plate and, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's no tougher city. We saw Marvin Lewis, what, 15 years, there was a lot of hate directed at him from fans, but he, he always had them in contention. Right? They were nearly always in line for a playoff uh, for a playoff spot or if not a six and 10, seven and nine year. It's been a couple of now kind of real, um, real abysmal uh, seasons record-wise. So, uh, Look, I think if you're a Bengals fan, you've got to be ready for a few more of them. I've got them going 6 and 10, 6 and 10, 7 and 9 range next year. Um, I just think, as we mentioned, Joe Burrow is going to give them that extra kick um, and hopefully they draft well. What do you think, Gordo? Yeah, I mean, I think their biggest need, the defence isn't great, but this team has to invest in the offensive line. We yeah. saw what happened this year. It got Burrow injured in the end. And, I mean, Jonah Williams, I really like out at left tackle, but... Outside of that, there's really not much on this team. It's a positive on the offensive line. But they've got the fifth pick. I think there's a real chance Penae Sewell can be there unless there's mm-hmm. some form of trade because I think Jacksonville and New York are both going quarterback. Miami going a receiver wouldn't shock me. And then Atlanta's probably taking a quarterback. So there's a chance they get one of the best offensive line prospects ever dropped to them in the draft. And I think if you put him Williams out of tackle – this team can go quite well next season. I don't know if they'd end up winning six games, but it'll be an improvement again on this year. Yeah, I think it's spot on. I remember watching a few games early, in particular that uh, that Philadelphia game, uh, which ended up being a tie. He was getting just killed, Burrow, back there. And you, you were thinking, how long could his body take this? Ultimately, it was that knee injury, but there's nothing more important than, as you said, solidifying the offensive line when you have a, a long, a young quarterback with, with a lot of promise. Um, so, yeah, from the Bengals, we move, uh, well, just a bit north uh, in Ohio to Cleveland. They were third in the AFC North, but um, that really undersells their season. They're 11 and five, and it was a drought breaking year under Kevin Stefanski. Uh, first winning season since 2007, first playoff appearance since 2002. First playoff win since the 94 season when Bill Belichick was head coach. They had a blowout win this year in Pittsburgh in wildcard weekend before a tight loss at defending uh, champions Kansas City in the divisional round ended their season. Uh, Offensively, the stats don't jump out at you. 14th and points, 16th in yards. Defensively, 21st and points, 17 yards. Um, But only had one loss by more than five points all year, which I think tells you a lot about this team. Baker Mayfield... Played what I thought, Gordo, was largely mistake-free football, 63% completion percentage, uh, you know, 3,500 yards, 26 to 8 uh, touchdown-to-interception ratio as the Browns really rode uh, rushing duo Nick Chubb and uh, Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb had over 1,000 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns, Kareem Hunt 840 and 6 touchdowns. And uh, the major reason I think this team got to where it was was the offensive line, for my money, the best in the league. Uh, Joel Batonio, Nick Teller, the... the Guards, both all pros. Jack Conklin, the tackles, an all pro. Uh, I, you look at the receiving core, Odell Beckham out with injury. I think Jarvis Landry, to a certain extent, stood up. But I think it was certainly the running game that hurt, helped this team, considering the defense I didn't think was that amazing, Gordo. Uh, what did you take out of this season? 
Uh, calling the defense not that amazing is high praise for how badly this defense played. Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin's defense, he brought across that play action game from Minnesota that works so well with Kirk Cousins and Baker excels in that system. He's not a quarterback that's going to win you games single handedly. He needs that help. But when, as we've seen this year, when they've given that to him, he's got the two elite running backs, he's got an elite offensive line. Jarvis Landry's a great receiver. I mean, he's got everything around him that he needs to succeed on that offense. And he's only 25. There's a long future ahead of him, I think, in Cleveland. But obviously the defense is what needs to be addressed this offseason. This, it was not good at all. I mean, uh, the Pittsburgh playoff game, they dominated and they still gave up 37 points. So I'm not sure what the biggest need is. I think obviously they've got Miles Garrett. Who's secondary, yeah? Linebacker? Yeah, linebacker. Linebacker. They let Joe show, but walk to Jacksonville, which I don't know if it was the right decision. But it's probably a combination of both. Denzel Ward, I really like. Uh, Grant Delpit missed the entire season with an Achilles injury. But, yeah, outside of those two, there's not much in the secondary that gives me any hope that this team can defend the Palace next year. So I think that's where their first pick has to be, probably on a corner. Yeah, your talk about the defense getting up a lot of points, um, and this also plays into the point about uh, this offense at Baker Mayfield. Uh, large portions of the season, he would admit he didn't have to do very much, but when the time he needed to, when he uh, he needed to step up, and it became a shootout, he was up to it. I mean, week two they win thirty-five to thirty uh, against Cincinnati, against Dallas in week four they won forty-nine to thirty-eight, uh, at a thirty-seven to thirty-four win against Bengals. You know, they were scoring high amounts of points, winning these shootouts. Uh, the one game they didn't get over the line was that 47 to 42 loss to Baltimore. But uh, Baker Mayfield was making these throws when he needed to, um, when they were in a position where the, the running game couldn't win the game for them. I think that's worth pointing out. And the other reason for that is, as we've discussed, the defense uh, wasn't all that flash. But uh, Miles Garrett was, many people thought, a defensive player of the year candidate. In the end, probably wasn't as legitimate of a candidate as... Um, TJ Watt or Aaron Donald, but he had what 12 sacks, 33 solo tackles, 10 tackles for loss, 18 quarterback hits. You know, you want to play like that on your defensive line. And really, for Olivier Vernon to have nine sacks uh, as the other defensive end, that's a potent duo there. And the rest of the defensive line, we've got Sheldon Richardson and Larry Ogan Joby, who both contributed heavily there. I agree with you. I think linebacker and uh, secondary areas of concern for them. Uh, and that's where I would expect them to be targeting in the draft. Um, the, I heard reports that, and we'll get into this later, recently re- released um, JJ Watt, that the Browns are very interested and they have the cap space to do it. I would watch that space. I, As I've said, I think the defensive end isn't as big of a uh, target area as the uh, secondary or, line, or linebacker, but uh, what would you make of that move, Gordo? JJ Watt going to Cleveland to add to an already... Um, kind of young and exciting defensive line. But that JJ Watt opposite Miles Garrett would be an incredible duo. But I mean, yeah, um, I think outside of Garrett, is Olivier Vernon a free agent? I think he is. So they don't have many uh, signed for next year, I'm pretty sure. So maybe let Vernon walk, sign JJ Watt. I be interesting. I think correct. He is a free agent. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they need probably a replacement for him. He's what thirty. I don't know whether you re-sign him nine nine sacks, but whether that's worth it or not. Yeah, JJ, what would be a very interesting addition to this defense? And certainly add to the explosiveness. I mean, point I was going to make before is you're talking about um, Baker Mayfield and the offense, and he's only 25. They've got, uh, you know, a long future ahead of him. I think this is one of, if not almost, the best position team in the AFC. Um, we talk about all the young quarterbacks, but I think in terms of what they built, it took a while. There's a lot of heartbreak for Browns fans, especially with that um, what, 1 and 31 run back in the 2016. 16, 17 seasons, I believe it was. Um, they were slowly building a disappointing year under Freddie Kitchens. They bring in Stefanski, someone who's bided his time and, and uh, made his way up the ranks for Minnesota. He comes across. He looks like he's ready. COVID got in the way. He missed a couple of games. He missed the wild card game. Mike Prefer stood in. But um, I think really it was that wild card game that showed you uh, all the way they came. As you said, the defense still kind of let. The Pittsburgh comeback in the end. I think it was 49 to 37 in the end. Uh, and that Kansas City game, that divisional round, you know, they're one or two plays from getting back the ball and having a chance to win the game. And, you know, there's certainly a chance that happened, um, of that happening. So, you know, a couple of plays away from an AFC championship, they'd have high hopes going into next year, Gordo. Oh, definitely. Um, I mean, they could have won that game if they had stopped um, Chad Henney from running for 13 yards they had a legitimate shot at winning that. So, yeah, I mean, this team is probably going to be back again next year. Whether Odell Beckham adds to this offense or not, I think they'll still succeed. They'll still do really well offensively. But, yeah, it's just a question of whether the defense can improve. I think that's the only way they're going to go further next year. Yes, and they'd almost certainly have the division title. Uh, on the They haven't won a division and have not hosted a playoff game. Uh, since they uh, were re-entered the league back in 1999. So that's certainly on the bucket list, I'm sure, of the Haslam family uh, and Kevin Stefanski as well. I've got them got them going 11-5 and five again next year. Whether or not that's enough for the division title, I don't know. But as I've just said, Gordo, I think they've got a lot of talent. And um, a sneaky under-the-radar point, they finished third. So in addition to playing the out-of-conference division and the in-conference division, they have a third-place um third place schedule so that favors them more than uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore talking of Baltimore they're the next team we're going to go to they finished second in the AFC North also 11 and 5 um third straight playoff appearance for Baltimore so that's a positive under John Harbour they weren't the regular season powerhouse they were a season ago when they went 14 and 2 and with AFC's top seed uh, and a major reason for that was Lamar Jackson couldn't repeat his MVP form. The passing game was a uh, highlight as, as an issue it was exposed uh, with teams trying and admittedly not always succeeding in stopping that running game and RG3, uh, RG3, sorry, Lamar Jackson on the ground, forcing it into a passing situation. Greg Roman, the OC, didn't seem to be able to adjust to that. Um, COVID interrupted them. Uh, he had to sit out a few games. Lamar Jackson, RG3 had to start a game. They had issues they finished top. They won five in a row. They won six in a row, including that wild card matchup at Tennessee before for, before falling uh, in Buffalo in the divisional round. Sort of an odd campaign, Gordo. How did you see it? Yeah, I feel like this team obviously showed flashes at times of the form that they had a year ago, but they just couldn't put it all together at once on the field. I mean... They've got elite pieces on offense and defense. I mean, offensively, you've got Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews is really good. 
Ronnie Stanley got hurt halfway through the year. But, yeah, outside of them on offense, I think the real issue is the wide receivers. When you're throwing to Marquise Brown, who's a decent deep threat, but that's about it, Devil Duvernay and Miles Boykin as your top three receivers, you're going to be in trouble. Willie Sneed, yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, Sneed was on this team as well. But when those are your main receivers, you're not going to be able to catch contested balls. There's no big receivers on this roster right now. And, I mean, then obviously you're relying on route running and people getting open, but they're not good route runners either. So, yeah, I mean, when you've got Des Bryant starting games for you, you're in trouble. Yeah, it's spot on. I had that right down in my notes there. That's the, That's got to be the number one thing they address. It's all offense. As far as I'm concerned, this defense is, is an elite unit. Second in points, seventh in yards. Uh, underwinged Martindale there. I mean, you've got Marcus Peters. You've got Patrick Queen at linebacker. You've got Judon. You've got Pernal McPhee. You've got Calais Campbell on that defensive line. It It's a good unit. Uh, they play hard. They play tough. Uh, you know, as I said, they're one of the league's tops. It is the offense. they got problems. Seventh in points, nineteenth in yards. Uh, yeah, they were stalling at midpoints during the season. Um, I know I pointed out they had issues with um, COVID, but that game against Pittsburgh, they got fourteen points. They lost a game up in New England, which was really costly. Uh, you mentioned that there were points where they looked like that four and two team. There was also points where they looked like not a playoff team at all. Uh, there were doubts they were even making it. Um, you know, they did what they had to do. They showed some form late in the year, but. Certainly areas for approval. I mean, you mentioned the um, you mentioned the receiving core. Hollywood Brown is not a number one receiver. Mark Andrews is the tight end. He's a good weapon. He's not a number one receiver. He's no Travis Kelsey. You know, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin, the Devin Duvernay. These uh, they've certainly got something to address there. Um, they are known Baltimore for being one of the more stable, consistent franchises. They put together three straight playoff appearances. Now, put simply, do you see them going back for a fourth next year, Gordo? I think so. I mean, the division is tough. I don't think Pittsburgh will be that good. I don't think Cincinnati will be that good. So that's my maybe three, four wins there. But yeah, I mean, it's a tough one to say with Baltimore. I think if they don't address this receiver situation, they're not going to win many games at all next year. Lamar has to get some help on offense. Um, Obviously, the offensive line as well. I mean, from all accounts, Orlando Brown's not going to come back next year. Based on what's been said the last couple of weeks, he posted a thing on Twitter saying yeah. pretty much that he was thanking everyone for his time there. But mm-hmm. that's going to have to be a trade, I think. But I think he wants to be paid or played as a left tackle. And with Ronnie Stanley coming back, he can't do that. Yeah. So they're losing one of the best tackles in the league. They lost Marshall Yarn the last year. So realistically, it's Ronnie Stanley and not much else on that offensive line. So that has to be a priority. Oh, absolutely. With Lamar's rushing such a big part of this offense, he went over a thousand yards um, again this year. It's the first quarterback to do that twice. Uh, if they want to keep uh, QB runs as a large part of this offense, which they clearly do, it's all about blocking with the offensive line and receivers who can block. They didn't have that this year as much uh, and it cost them. So yes, our that's our thoughts on the Ravens as we head up to Pittsburgh. Uh they won the North for the first time since 2017. They had a playoff first for the first time since 2017. But really, uh, it was a season of two halves in my book. Gordo, franchise best 11-0 start really crumbled with a 1-5 one and, one and finish and a brutal blowout loss, as we mentioned, to 
division rival Browns and wildcard weekend. Uh, the defense, quite similar to Baltimore, was always good. Third in points and yards. You had the likes of TJ Watt, who was um, some might argue robbed of the Defensive Player of the Year award. 15 sacks, 41 quarterback hits, 23 tackles for a loss, 53 tackles total. All more than Aaron Donald, who won the award. You got Minka, Minka Fitzpatrick, excuse me, it's like safety, very good player in the secondary. Uh, Stefan Tewitt, again, defensive line, 15 sacks, 25 quarterback hits. Bud Dupree as linebacker, eight sacks. And, and Cam Hayward, again, on that defensive line, um, showing up as usual. It was really the offense leading the team down, and the defense was able to mask that across the first uh, three or so months of the season, Gordo. But uh, when push came to shove later in the year and in the playoffs, um, this offense wasn't good enough, and that's why OC Randy Fickner isn't returning. Yeah, I mean, I had doubts about this team pretty much the whole year. I mean, you looked at their start. Yeah, they started 11-0, but they beat the Giants, barely the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, the Ravens when they were really struggling, and the Cowboys and the Bengals. I mean, they didn't beat many good teams Mm -hmm. throughout the start of the year. And then I think what really turned their season around was that five-point win over Baltimore. I mean, that's a team that was starting RG3, basically a practice squad defense and they only won by five points. And I think that really started to expose Pittsburgh. Then there was the loss to Washington the week after and then Buffalo and then Cincinnati. I think that four week stretch really changed up their season. Yeah. In particular, that loss to Cincinnati would have been crushing. It was in prime time Monday night football. Uh, people thought there's no way, you know, um, they hadn't lost to Cincinnati in, you know, years and years and years, a way to get the season back on track. They failed. They got a win against Indianapolis, really the only reason um, they got to those 12 wins. And that even was a bit of a fluke. It was a comeback win. They lose to Cleveland, resting their starters. Mike Tomlin, a bit of a controversial decision in week 17. And come back and get shocked. It was a bit of a wacky game, that wildcard week they were down. It was a 21 to nothing early on. Um, it never recovered. A lot of scrutiny surrounding this team um, uh, with certain kind of online TikTok uh, antics of Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool. I thought they were perhaps a bit more focused on their trash talk or whatever than actual playing the game and seemed to be internal rift. There's been a lot of rift in this franchise. You go back to Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, of course. The fun fact is that both of them now have Super Bowl rings while Pittsburgh have, have not been a successful playoff team for some years now. Uh, pr- problems going forward. Mike Tomlin's always got a lot of credit for never having a losing season, but uh, not much inspires me about this team at the moment, Gordo. Yeah, I mean, I think an underrated part of their season was losing Bud Dupree to a torn ACL. I think that was in the Baltimore game, actually. So, Yeah, it was. He's a free agent at the end of this season. So is Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously. Um James Connor as well. They've got a few decisions to make here. Um, I feel like Juju's not on this team next year. He, They've got receivers after him. James Washington, I really like. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. I don't think Juju's got a spot on this team. But, and considering what he'll want to be paid, he's not worth it. Yeah, I, I think it's a good point. I don't think he needs to be on this team. My question is running back. I think this is a big issue. Um, ports out that they're not looking to draft a running back with their first round pick, which, uh, to be honest, confusing. They got James Connor there, Benny Snell. None of them really do it for me. I think they're missing um, another one, 
running back like they had back when Le'Veon Bell was in the building. Any thoughts on who they, who they should go for there, or are you happy with the tandem as it is in the backfield? I mean, I'm always a proponent of avoiding running backs in the first couple of rounds of the draft, mm-hmm. but I think I brought this up last week. I want to see them trade for Saquon Barkley. I don't know if the Giants would do it. The Giants should do it, but I feel like that's the sort of move they need to make. They need an upgrade. Saquon's proven... He's done great things behind a terrible offensive line. I really think if they can get the cap situation under control with Ben Roethlisberger and everything, I think there's a legitimate need for them to go out and trade for a running back. Saquon Barkley could really energise this offence in the pass game and the run game. And he's from uh, Penn State as well. Yes, talking of... um... Ben Roethlisberger, he'll be entering 2021 with what, $41 of the cap space. Um, you'd have to think this might be his last season. I mean, he said he might be keen to go on, but uh, whether or not they can afford to sign him to a new contract with the, the cap situation as it is, uh, yeah, I think they don't have a young quarterback who's aspiring on the roster, so you think they, they maybe draft someone? Um, I mean, they signed Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> yes. I mean, yes. he's not inspiring, but he's there, I guess. You, can, you got to, there's no, well, so you'd have to improve, you know, uh, a whole lot to be seen, I reckon, as, as, a, as a, a capable starting quarterback in this league. I mean, they got Mason Rudolph, don't they? Um, Joshua Dobbs, I think, started, played, maybe played in that one game. I think it could have been on, can't remember the exact game, but um, could have been the Cincinnati game. Um, yeah, I, the other point I was going to make is Mike Tomlin's era almost a decade and a half now, they missed the playoffs two years in a row in 2012-13. They managed to get back four years in a row after that. And then they missed two more 2018-19. They got that back this year. I don't see them getting it back next year. I tip them for the playoffs this year. I won't be tipping them for the playoffs next year. But um, I've got enough respect for Tomlin never having a losing season that I've got them finishing eight and eight next year. Uh, I, I just don't think this offense has the consistency with the new system going in. Well, it's not really a new system. All they did was promote Matt Canada from quarterbacks coach to OC. Talk of them getting an external hire um, were disproved by his hire. So I'm not expecting to see. I, I think they sh- we should be seeing a lot of uh, change on this offense, but I don't think we will. Gordon, I've got them eight and eight. Yeah, I think, again, this is a really tough team to judge. So much of it depends on what they do this offseason, whether Ben Roethlisberger is a quarterback next year or not. But I think I've probably got them about the same. I mean, they're not going to be terrible. But they're not going to, I think the defense will stop them from being a four win team. But the offense mm-hmm. isn't enough to bring them to a 10 win team. So, yeah, probably that's seven, seven and nine. Oh, wait, no, is this a 17 game schedule next year? Oh, I've been going as if it's a 16 game yeah. schedule. I don't think that's okay. official <laughs> yet. I, we're expecting that, I believe, but it's not official. I don't think they'll yet. be in that seven and nine to nine and seven range. I think, I think that's about where they are. Mm-hmm. Talking of this, I'm just thinking talking of them not being a four-win team, I've been following this for a long time. I can't think of the last time that um, the Steelers had a losing record. I'm just looking back now. It's 2003, so kind of the end, towards the end of the Bill Cowher uh, era. In 2003, they went 6-10, and and the last season they had less than six wins was was 1988. So there's something to be said for organisational consistency uh, there in Pittsburgh. Well, that's our take on the AFC North, what the team's looking like coming out of the season. And as Gordo says, and we both say so often, 
large parts of our predictions are hard to make with so many uncertainties. Uh, we'll have a better idea uh, following free agency, following the draft, following the offseason. We know, you know, what quarterback is going to be starting on what team, what the pieces are there, uh, which um, make us able to make a more reasonable prediction. Before we get on to the NFC uh, equivalent, North Division, talk about some news in the league this past week uh, and breaking just this morning, Australia time, uh, the release of the Texans somewhat expected of three-time defensive player of the year, JJ Watt signed by the Texans. I shouldn't say signed. I mean, drafted by the Texans in 2011 in that first draft, he had those three defensive player of the year awards in his first five seasons, uh, probably regarded as one of the league's all time great defensive ends. Five-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowl. He's at this league in sacks two times. He's Walter Payton Man of the Year award. Uh, he's just become another casualty of really what is, is almost a decaying franchise here in Houston. Gordo, they lost DeAndre uh, Hopkins, fired Bill O'Brien, uh, Deshaun Watson once out, and now they lose one of the biggest stars uh, in J.J. Watt. Yeah, they're a team that's in massive trouble at this point. I mean... I've seen so many things online of their fans saying, no, I'm done with this team. They're losing fans. They're probably going to lose a lot more. It just, nothing is going right for Houston right now. And I mean, JJ Watt, this was probably always going to happen regardless of whether the organization was in turmoil or not. I mean, he's had nine sacks over the past two seasons. He hasn't been as dominant as he has been in the past, but I think he's still a good enough player that he can make an impact on a good team. Yes, right you are there. So he's uh, on the lookout for a new team. Uh, we mentioned uh, the Cleveland Browns. A lot of teams certainly be interested to add a piece on that defensive line. I saw the Pittsburgh also have floated as an option, San Francisco. So he'll certainly have an, a lot of options uh, for ha- perhaps just a one-year deal. He's getting on now. So perhaps just a one- or two-year deal uh, to see if he probably wouldn't be playing full snaps even playing in Houston. You know, maybe just a handful of snaps a game to help propel. I'm sure if I was him, he'd would be wanting to go to a contending franchise. So that's probably another factor there that he'd probably want to go to a franchise that um, is looking for a Super Bowl berth. Uh, and he can, in the twilight of career of his career, help to get them there. Moving on, uh, we're all sad to hear the death of former NFL head coach Marty Schottenheimer. The news broke just before the Super Bowl that he um, was in a hospice living out his final days in North Carolina. And then just days after the Super Bowl on February the 8th, American time, uh, he passed away at the age of 77. Uh, really a mainstay for across two decades uh, in the league across the kind of uh, from the mid-80s to the mid-2000s. Eighth in career wins with 205. Seventh in career regular season wins with 200. That's the most for an NFL head coach not to win a championship and not only not to win a championship, never to make it to a Super Bowl. Such a consistent good coach across the regular season, uh, but... His teams in playoffs uh, didn't quite pass master. I mean, starting off with the Browns, uh, just some horrible luck. The 1986 AFC Championship game against the Broncos. Of course, you had the drive, 99-yard drive from John Elway. And then the next year in the 1987 equivalent game, Ernest Bynes fumble at the one-yard line, giving the Broncos the victory. A decade-long run in Kansas City, seven playoff appearances in 10 years, but... Uh, a couple of first-round exits – oh, sorry, uh, straight sets exits as um, the number one overall seed. They made the AFC Championship once when Joe Montana was there in 1993. 
went to Washington for a year and then was with the Chargers at the end. Um, his final season, uh, final game as a head coach, really um, epitomizing his career uh, with a heartbreaking loss to the Patriots when a defensive back intercepts Tom Brady. And then instead of getting down, as Marty Schottenheimer had advised him that very day before the game started, uh, he runs around, fumbles the ball, the Patriots recover, go on to win that game in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, never quite got over the hump, but still an NFL legend, uh, Gordo. Yeah, I mean, he was always a part of a contending team. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you know a lot more about coaching circles than I do. I mean, yeah. That's all right. Two losing seasons in his 21 seasons in the NFL. Yeah. And the idea of his – when we talk about coaches, um, well, the major thing people want to talk about is their imprint on the league. Uh, do they have assistance and they have a coaching tree – and one thing I think of is that Bruce Aaron's first job in the NFL in 1989 was as a running backs coach with the Kansas City Chiefs under uh, Marty Schottenheimer. So his imprint still very clearly felt on the league today. Uh, and, of course, a former Chiefs coach, very happy to see them win the Super Bowl last season. So, yes, well, uh, Marty Schottenheimer. In other news, Taylor Heineke, the Washington, almost said the word, Washington quarterback um, known for his appearance start and a very fine performance in the NFC wildcard game against the eventual Super Bowl championship, uh, Super Bowl champion, sorry, Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, he's got a contract extension with Washington, two years, 8.75 million, thoroughly deserved Gordo as we both were in awe of his performance in that particular game. Yeah. I mean, he was the quarterback that looked the best against that Tampa Bay defense in the playoffs somehow. I mean, they play Breeze, Rogers and Mahomes and it's Taylor Heineke that plays the best against them. So, yeah, I mean, this is a good deal, I think, for both sides. Washington gets, at at worst, probably a decent backup for a reasonably cheap deal, and he gets uh, not long-term, but medium-term job security. Yes, of course, too uncertain who the starting quarterback will be on that team, but there is, I'm sure, a chance that it will be him. Either way, he's been thoroughly rewarded for his performance. Uh, And the final piece of news I had, Mark and Marquise Pouncey, Twins, offensive linemen playing in the NFL. They've retired after roughly a decade each. Uh, both first-round picks. Mike was 15th overall in 2011. Marquise was 10th, 18th sorry, overall in 2010. Uh, both started every game of their career, 140 and 134 career starts respectively, and both Pro Bowlers, nine-time Pro Bowler Marquise, their safety uh, centre with the uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike, a four-time Pro Bowler with both the Dolphins and the Chargers. So good careers there. And Gordon, I know you've got your eye on some of these quarterback rumours, not just Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, another big name added to the list this past weekend. Tell us about that. I mean, I'm not buying into much of this. Um, the Russell Wilson saga, I guess, this seems to happen almost every offseason. At this point, you hear about, oh, he's upset with what Seattle's doing. They're not doing enough to protect him. And then it ends up all getting solved by the end of the off-season. But it just feels like this time there's been division between him and Pete Carroll, from what it sounds like. During the season, um, he wanted to throw the ball more. Pete Carroll's more conservative and wants to run it. I'm not sure if this will come to anything, but it feels like there's more validity to these rumours than there has been in the past. Yeah, I think we've talked in depth about uh, the Seahawks' offence on this show over the past couple of months. If I was Russell Wilson, I'd feel frustrated and added to the fact that um, 
Seattle has just signed Pete Carroll just this past year to I think a four or five year extension. So he's going to be there well into the future. They've signed John Schneider, the GM. They appear to be in lockstep with each other. Wilson feels left out. Um, they get rid of Brian Schottenheimer. They bring in a new OC, reportedly not the one he was after, um, Shane Waldron from the Rams. So you can understand why there will be division. But with these players who are on massive contracts, it's often very, very hard to get a trade done. And I agree with you. This is probably more of a pipe dream. The Raiders have been floated as a possible option and people wondering how much they might need to give up for that. Um, excuse me. Perhaps Derek Carr and a couple of first rounders, I think at least that. Um, but no, I agree with you. I don't think think we'll see uh, this trade happening. On the Carson Wentz front, Gordo, I heard that the Bears seem interested to hand over um, Philadelphia favourite Nick Foles, a couple of first round picks and, and promising young linebacker Roquan Smith, four Foles and perhaps a third or fourth rounder. Your thoughts on this and what Wentz is possibly worth? I feel like that's more the Eagles just trying to bump up his value. There is no way any franchise should be offering that much for Carson Wentz right now. I mean, maybe a late first if you think you can fix whatever went wrong with him in this past season, but there's no way I'd be giving up Roquan Smith and a couple firsts for this. Um, Wentz is such a tough situation to judge. I mean, he's got that MVP caliber season a couple of years ago, but then since then he's not done much at all with this Eagles offense. And he was outplayed by Jalen Hurts this year. So I feel like Wentz, Indianapolis sounds interested in him. And I think that's just about it at this point. Chicago, Chicago's never had a good quarterback, realistically. And they seem to want to overpay these guys. I mean, they went out and got Nick Foles. They overpaid him, traded up for Trubisky. And that was a mistake. They overpaid Mike Glennon before that. They don't, judge quarterbacks as well as the rest of the league. I think it's that simple. Yeah, I think when it comes to the Eagles, if they want to get rid of Carson Wentz, they're going to have to accept that. Uh, they're not going to get what they want for home for him, and they're probably going to have to be paying a large part of his salary. But that's just, you've got to bite the bullet. You made the mistake of signing him to a massive contract, uh, and then a year later, he's not even starting. So, uh, you know, if... Howie Rosen's been under a lot of pressure in Philadelphia and talk sports talk radio and, you know, how passionate the fans are there for his mistakes with this contract in particular and Wentz and building this team. Uh, it's going to end ugly one way or the other. There are reports out that Jalen Hurts is definitely looking like the starting quarterback going into next season. So Wentz cl- clearly on the outs there. Um, a point on the Bears that, uh, I don't know, that seems like they're trying to get rid of Nick Foles as a bad contract situation and then bring in Carson Wentz. It doesn't make any sense. I think the culture are better a better place. We know Frank Reich, the history. They didn't get Matthew Stafford still on the lookout for a quarterback. Um, you think if, if Wentz goes there and shows his 2017 MVP form, they're certainly a Super Bowl contender. Uh, was there anything oh, else? Gordo, yeah, anything else you wanted to cover in, in, uh, in the news? Or was that about it? I think that's pretty much it. Okay. Uh, well, we go then to the NFC North Gordo's favorite, deci- uh, favorite division. There's no lying there. Uh, We'll get to his team last, but starting with the seems now perennial cellar dwellers in this division, it's the Detroit Lions. They were five and eleven. They were last in the division. Uh, it's not much to say. Um, the Matt Patricia era ended unsurprisingly in ugly fashion with a blowout loss to Tex to the Houston Texans on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, raises the question, Gordo. Do they deserve to keep having this nationally shown affair? They get it once a year. They don't get any other 
primetime games, but no matter how bad they are, they're going to keep getting this game. And it hasn't been entertaining in, in years. Uh, Daryl Bevel takes over the last five or six games. They were better offensively. I think uh, Matthew Stafford reveled in this new uh, offense. I mean, we saw uh, when he got traded that he didn't want to go to New England. So clearly some bad feelings there between him and Matt Patricia. Uh, but the real issue was the defense squad. I mean, they were last in points and yards, and you're not gonna you're not gonna win very many games if you're last, uh, dead last in all defensive rankings. Uh, they needed a massive overhaul. They're gonna get one. Uh, the long what 13 or 14 years starting quarterback Matt Stafford was sent to LA in a trade for quarterback Jared Goff and a, a haul of picks in couple of in including a couple of first rounders earlier this month. Uh, Marvin Jones is out the door, their leading receiver, and Adrian Peterson, their leading rusher, also figures to not be on the roster next year. Uh, yeah, questions surrounding Carryon Johnson's future with the team. It's all up in the air. Um, the one thing they do have is a new coaching staff, Dan Campbell, uh, ex-NFL player, and they've got quite a bunch of ex-NFL players. Anthony Lynn at OC, Aaron Glenn at DC, and then Mark Brunel, quarterback's coach, Juice Staley, running back's coach, Antoine Randall L, the famous Steelers wide receiver, as their wide receiver's coach. So, it's a complete change of culture, Gordo. Uh, kind of a two-pointer question here. What went wrong with the old regime and what does the new regime have to do uh, to return to the playoffs? I mean, what went wrong? It, pretty much the same thing that's gone wrong for Detroit for their entire existence, really. I mean, no defensive ability at all mm-hmm. and relying on the quarterback to carry the offense. Um, Kenny Dolladay being out for the majority of the season didn't help. Um, I'm not sure whether he'll be back next year or not. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's tagged and then traded. Um, TJ Hawkinson was actually really good for them on, on offense. I mean, mm-hmm. he, yeah. I still don't think he's worth a top 10 pick, but he made the Pro Bowl. He showed signs of being a really good tight end, but outside of that, the offense wasn't great. Um, DeAndre Swift was their second round pick. Ran for 500 yards and eight touchdowns. That's not what you're expecting from a second round running back. It's a tough situation for Detroit and the new coaching staff. There's not much to work with on either side of the ball. Um, Jeff Okuda is still young. He wasn't great in his rookie year, but he's a corner. Corners take a while to develop. Outside of that, there's not much on defense. So they're in for a long rebuild, I think. And having two first-round picks, not this year, but the year after, and then the year after that really shows that. Yeah, I think... uh... Key point in defense, there's not a lot. I had seven picks the whole year. You're not going to win many games with the ranked dead last in turnovers. Uh, you mentioned on the offensive side of the ball, TJ Hawkinson. I think he figures to be a massive part of this offense going forward. Jared Goff, it's all about uh, kind of play action rollout, comfortable passes. He's not someone who's going to challenge you down the field. We've seen that in LA. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of um, optimism, I think, surrounding this team. And for good reason, they signed uh, what's a five-year deal for Dan Campbell. So they're not stupid. They realise that it's going to take a few years to turn this ship around. Um, just the point on Matt Stafford, and you said that bad defensive player, they've always got this quarterback propping up. I think it goes back to the 90s. We have Barry Sanders um, as the one player, the only player who's worth any value, who's makes their team watchable. Then they had Calvin Johnson in the kind of late two thousands into mid 2010s. And then Matthew Stafford for so long, they've uh, been a, such a bad organizational team, a bad coach. Well, not a well coached team. 
and they've just had the, the odd star here and there. Now they've been stripped back to the bones and they're going to have to really start afresh. Uh, and I think it's going to be a few more years before we see any kind of positive signs. But really, as we mentioned, for Detroit fans, you know, what's new, Gordo? Um, it's been like this for generations. Yeah, I mean, this is probably... They're right up there with the Browns as the most tortured franchise in the league, I think. Um, that's not really debatable. One playoff win. Yeah, I think they're since, my... Since, what, 1950-something, 50 58, yeah. I think. So, yeah, I think more of the same. 91 divisional round, I think, against Dallas or something. They won one game there, but... Um... Other than that, they've been uh, pretty horrendous. I mean, it's funny. Everyone points back to that Jim Corbell era. I think it was 2013 to 2017. They made the playoffs three out of his five years there or three out of his four years there. They got rid of him. They decided it wasn't good enough to be nine and seven, eight and eight each year. And look how they went with Patricia. One wonders what would have happened if they had stayed with um, stay with Corbell. As for a prediction next year, I reckon they'd be, if I had to bet in a team, that would be 0-16 next year, Gordo. I think they'd be my team. You agree with that? Um, yeah, probably. Um, Sorry to put you on the, the spot. NFC, yeah, um, the NFC North has a really difficult schedule next year as well. I think it's um, the AFC North and the NFC West. I'm pretty sure. It's the yeah. It's the um, uh, sorry, I had it. Yeah, it's the NFC West, which is a very good division, and the yes, correct, and the AFC and the North. North. And the NFC. So that's that's a really difficult schedule for a team that's been terrible. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a two win or worse team. Yeah. It's not pretty gloomy and doomy over there in Detroit. We move on to Minnesota. Well, really one of the league's great disappointments. Uh, they finished seven and nine, third in the division. And it's fair to say they started this year with super all aspirations. They were my pick for the number two seed uh, in the, NFC. Uh, it was the last year under Kirk Cousins' initial contract. Um, they started one and five and couldn't quite overcome it. They finished seven and nine. You know, one kind of agonizing game outside the NFC's seventh playoff seed, which went to division rival Chicago in the end. Uh, the offense was prolific, really. Gary Kubiak uh, taking over that offense, of course, with Kevin Stefanski leaving uh, to be the head coach in Cleveland. I mean, especially from week eight onwards, what? Uh, Kirk Cousins passed for 24 touchdowns and three picks. You know, great stats. If you finished with 35-13 touchdown-interception ratio, Dalvin Cook was a star as usual, 800-yard games, over 1,500 yards rushing, 16 touchdowns. Justin Jefferson was certainly a candidate for Offensive Rookie in the Year. I mean, some thought he should have got it. He was four, he had four, sorry, 1,400 yards of receiving. That broke the rookie record, broke Anquan Bolden's 2003 mark of 1,377 it was really just a leaky defense that let this team down, Gordo, and not something we've expected uh, throughout the Mike Zimmer era there in Minnesota. Yeah, the offense was incredible for most of the year, actually. It's just when you've got a defense with Cam Dantzler and Mike Hughes and um, Jeff Gladney as your starting corners, you're going to be in trouble. Ooh. These guys are obviously all really young, but they're just not good enough to win to help win a team a game. So even when your offense is putting up, uh, what was it, I think 26, 27 points per game, the defense is allowing 30. That's just not mm. good enough. So obviously, I mean, Minnesota has historically been a great defensive team, but this year it was sort of flipped. Their offense scored, the defense couldn't stop a score. 
Yeah, the offense is what 11th in points, fourth in yards, with the defense at 29th in points, 27th in yards. So over the offseason, uh, Mike Zimmer's got a lot of work to do. Uh, last year, he fired his offensive coordinator after the pre- last year when they went to the divisional round, George Edwards. So he, he is calling plays, took on the roles by himself this year. Uh, wasn't such a good uh, good result. They did have a lot of one possession losses, and it's understandable that happens in the NFL, but you know that's no excuse. Um, they missed the playoffs. They were expected to be a Super Bowl team. One thing I wanted to raise with you, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, for my money, that's better one of the better one-two receiving punches in the league. I think that's top five, if not top three. Um, your thoughts on that take? Yeah, I mean, Jefferson, he was incredible this year. I mean, at the start of the year, as a Packers fan, I was really excited because Stefan Diggs finally couldn't torture us. And then Jefferson comes in and plays almost better than Diggs had in that same role. So, yeah, the Minnesota offense in general, I mean, Thielen, Jefferson, Cook, that's almost the best trio in the league, I think. And Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of um, talk going around uh, whether he's actually worth his contract or not. He's not bad at all. He's probably a top 10 quarterback in this league. I, I think he's a top In the right situation. Yeah. It's just this offensive line of Minnesota just isn't good. Has been good I for think years. The offensive line, the offensive line has to be the number one priority in this offseason. I mean, well, it, it uh, it's a testament to how good Dalvin Cook's year was. I mean, 1,500 rushing yards and what 16 touchdowns with a, an offensive line that's below average in the league um, tells you all you need to know about his his skills. Um, you mentioned the offense being good. I wonder if Gary Kubiak retiring for the second time and Clint Kubiak, his son, taking over will have any impact on this offense. I think if it does, it'll be a minor impact. Um, yeah, I think if they clear up a few things on the defensive side of the ball, as Mike Zimmer, I'm sure, will do, I think they'll give themselves a real good chance at challenging your uh, Packers uh, for the division next year, Gordo. Do you think they're a credible threat? I mean, they're probably the second best team in this division. They're not losing many players to free agency. I mean, Anthony Harris is probably the number one name on that list. And even then, he was not good this year. And so they're bringing almost everyone back. They'll get back um, Michael Pierce, who they uh, lost to COVID. Uh, Anthony Barr missed most of the year. Eric Kendricks missed games. So this defense is going to get players back. I think if they can maybe go out, sign a corner, sign some offensive linemen, I think this team can be really good. And Daniel Hunter missed most of the year as well. So this defense was really missing players. So they'll get these guys back. They can draft well. They'll be a real threat next year. Yeah, I mean, you talk about this defense. For example, their leading sack uh, master was Unique Ngokwe. He played six games. The team, of course, he came across from Jacksonville uh, and then he was shipped to Baltimore midseason. So he played six games and led their sack total. No one else had more than three and a half. There are real problems on this team defensively, but if they can clear that up, as I mentioned, they can be a real, a real challenger. I've got them at 10 and six, kind of 11 and five range. Uh, I think that's fair enough, Gordo. I presume you'd see them around the same, same level. Yeah, probably. I mean, we mentioned how difficult the North schedule is, but I think even with that, yeah, probably seven to nine wins again, I think. Yeah, I've certainly got them with more, uh, I've got more faith in them than I do the next team we go on to, which is the Chicago Bears. Eight and eight, second in the division. Um, they made the playoffs with the induction of a seventh 
uh, seed in the both conferences, but I really think a candidate for one of the worst playoff teams we've ever seen, Gordo. Uh, they took a five and one start and saw it become a five and seven record before long, and they really limped into January thanks to some wins over lesser teams and the Arizona Cardinals lost both of their final two games, uh, giving Chicago a berth despite their loss in week 17 to Green Bay. Um, for me, it's the same story across this Matt Nagy era, kind of dull, uninspiring offense led by, you know, whether it be Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles this year, uh, and an above average defense really carrying them to a non-losing record. That's three years in a row now. Matt Nagy hasn't had a losing record. Um, despite having insipid offensive play uh, and going forward, their one shining star on offense, Alan Robinson is gone. He won't be in the building. So it's a long road back for this offense. Um, and I don't think uh, Chuck Pagano defensive coordinator retiring, of course, replaced by Sean Desai. And they got Mike Petten in the building now, but I, I don't think this team's making the playoffs next year, just flat out um, with the personnel they currently have. Gordo. Oh, no, they won't be close. I think, if the NFL was looking for a reason to stop doing 17 playoffs, this team is the reason why. They did not deserve to be there. They were horrible for the majority of the year. I mean, they got off to a good start. Well, they beat Detroit, they beat New York, and they beat Atlanta. Um, that's hardly impressive. Um, their best win of the year came against Tampa Bay. Bucks, yeah. enough, they managed to uh, beat Brady and the Bucks. I mean, that was when the Bucks were still sorting themselves out. They we're in a new system and all that. But, yeah, I mean, the Bears, you look at the roster, they don't have the quarterback for next season on this roster. I can't see Foles or Trubisky starting. Uh, they don't have the number one wide receiver, Robinson, based on what he's put out on Twitter and on social media, he's not there next year. Um, yeah, this team, David Montgomery is about the only shining hope on offense. And the defense... It, <laughs> It was good this year. It wasn't up to the same level as it's been in the past. I mean, Roquan Smith's name has been floated around in trade talks. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But they won so many games a couple of years ago because they had historic turnover numbers. I mean, Eddie Jackson returned, what, four touchdowns or four picks for touchdowns or something. And they just haven't been able to replicate that. And that means the offense itself is going to struggle. Yeah, I think look, there was pressure on whether or not Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace would keep their jobs. Uh, they did keep it, but oh, look, I, I, Chicago's probably the team I'm most not looking forward to watching next year already. When you when you go back and you're watching the tape, um, I'll be honest, I, I didn't watch their wildcard game against uh, New Orleans, but you were watching, me, watching it and telling me about it. So when I got home, I thought, okay, I'll look up the highlights. And after watching about five minutes of the highlights, I decided I wasn't going to watch the game in full because it was just appalling that they were in that position. Um, look, defensively, I agree with what you said. They weren't like they were in 2018 with um, Vic Fangio, but they were good. They were 14th in points, 11th in yards, while the, the offense was mid-20th in both those rankings. Interesting to see how Sean Desai goes. The new DC never been a DC. Mike Petton's clearly been born in as that um, kind of uh, senior guiding hand to help him out um, because, you know, first time uh, defensive coordinator in the role, but they're going to need to do so much to carry this offense, which is just abysmal to the playoffs again. And, and I think we both agree that's not going to happen. Khalil Mack, um, we mentioned this last week, 
I don't. I think the Raiders easily win that trade. I don't think. I mean, he was brought over to contend to make them a Super Bowl contender. Yes, they go twelve and four in that one year, but they lose the first playoff game, and since then, um, for him, you'd have to say it's been wasted. These couple of years in his career, Gordo, for someone who had the potential to be one of the best defensive players in the league, or perhaps still is. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think the Raiders easily won that trade at this point. The Bears had to give him that contract. They gave up the first round picks and. Yeah, he did. He almost single-handedly got them into the playoffs that one year. But since then, he's played well. But the team around him, because they paid him that much, they just can't afford to get anyone else really onto that team. So, yes. Um, pairs of missed tickets. Pairs, Gordon and I both are going forward for uh, the team there in the Windy City. Uh, so we arrive finally uh, at the winners of the NFC North Division for the second year in a row. It's the Green Bay Packers. Now, I'm not going to talk for long here, Gordo. I'll let you take over. But just quickly, oh, it was a quite similar season to, to last year, really. An amazing offense, a defense that improved marginally, but still middle of the pack. I mean, they were 13th in points and 9th in yards of defense. The offense was 1st in points, 5th in yards. Uh, a good regular season. Matt LaFleur, 13-3 for the second year in a row. A divisional round win against the Rams that, uh, for me, Gordo reminded me very much of the divisional round win against the Seahawks a year ago. And then a disappointing championship game loss uh, that, again, reminded me of the one last year. I know it was it was a bit closer than that 49ers loss, but uh, just seemed like they didn't come up. They didn't show up to play, really. Um, Bucks got them. And a disappointing way to end the year, there was, you know, brief talks about teams, you know, wanting uh, Aaron Rodgers and him not being interested in the Packers. I think they've well and truly been put to bed now. He'll be the back there next year. Jordan Love remains. Uh, you've uh, floated in, in previous shows the idea of perhaps trading Love and keeping Rodgers more long-term. But, I mean, the way he played this year shows that he should be a starting quarterback for, you know, another five, at least five years, I think, to come in the league with, you see, the age of Tom Brady. But, um, yeah, back to the Packers. <sighs> Very similar to last year, Gordo. I'm not sure if I'd actually agree with that because the Packers last year, yeah, they went 13-3, and but a lot of those wins were unconvincing. I think there was eight or nine one-score games there and people all year had said, oh, this is the worst 13-3 and team of all time. This year, the Packers just dominated so many games. Um, they put uh, number one offense in the league, 32 points per game. Um, yeah, this team... An offense with Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, that combination worked so well all year. But I think the big talking point coming into the season was the second option at receiver. But Mark Roosevelt has scantling lived up to that. Alan Lazard's solid. There's not much of an offense that will probably change for next year. I mean, Aaron Jones probably won't be back. Corey Lindsley may or may not. But outside of that, this same offense is coming back. Defense is where the real question marks are, I think, for next year. Um, Preston Smith is probably going to get cut. Um, Chris Kirk, he's probably gone. Kevin King, I think Kevin King cost himself about $10 million in that NFC Championship game. He had a meltdown, I think is the kind way to describe whatever happened against Tampa Bay. But outside of that, I think this team's going to be similar or maybe slightly worse next year. I think they'll still win the division quite easily. Um, it, a lot depends on what happens in this draft for free agency. They've got not much cap space, but should be able to make things work to get back a similar qu 
quality team next year. Yeah, I should clarify. Um, when I, yeah, when I say uh, similar kind of years, particularly referring to the postseason, in terms of the regular season, I agree. Last year, the 13-3 season, there was a lot of doubts. I personally was someone who thought that they had 13-3 was an illusion. I didn't think they were didn't think they were anything like that. You saw them get blown out in the NFC Championship game. I famously tipped them to miss the playoffs, which we were too happy about. But they proved me wrong this year. They're an excellent team. And I think a large part of that is Aaron Rodgers. That's one of the – I mean, you talk about uh, one of the best quarterback seasons we've seen. I put that alongside that Mahomes 50-touchdown year, the, the Manning 50-touchdown year, and the Brady 50-touchdown year as one of the best – you think it was 46 touchdowns and five picks in the end. Um yeah, as the best touch, as best uh, quarterback seasons I've I've seen. Devontae Adams, that connection, is the best receiver in the league as far as got Robin Tonyan. You've talked about Valdez Scantling and Lazard as the other weapons there. The running backs got a few good options. You, I think you were commenting that you don't think they should pay Aaron Jones. Is that correct, Gordo? So there's possibly a little bit of movement to come in in the running back position. There's Jones and there's Williams, and both of those two are free agents. And. Mm-hmm. I don't think either will be back. I mean, drafting AJ Dillon in the second round last year probably says neither of them is coming back, especially given what he showed against Tennessee in that snow game. And, I mean, there's been reports coming out the last couple of days. Uh, James White from New England is apparently really interested in signing with Green Bay. So I think him and AJ Dillon, if those two were to be the running backs next year, I think Green Bay would be in a very similar situation. I don't think there's much of a drop-off there. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk of the offense, I think one under the name Raider, I think probably deserved a head coaching job. Nathaniel Hackett, I think. I know a lot of the the, uh, the applaud and goes to uh, Lafleur as the head coach, but I think Nathaniel Hackett coming over from Jacksonville where he took Blake Bortles to the AFC Championship game in a few minutes from the Super Bowl, he's now come over with Aaron Rodgers and uh, kind of um, reinvigorated, reinvigorated his career towards the end. Um, yeah. I don't know, you support the team, you've got probably got a closer eye on him, but I think he um, really, I'd be looking very closely at him for a head coaching gig uh, if I was, you know, if I was an owner. What do you think? Yeah, I think if the Packers have another year next year, similar to what this year was, I think he'll definitely be one of the main candidates for a coaching job. Um, a lot remains to be seen. Because Lafleur calls all the plays, of course, so mm-hmm. teams might be wary about him not doing much on game day, but yeah, so from what we can see, I mean, you've gone into depth about this. There's not a lot of reasons why we don't see the Packers winning the division and we don't see them getting back to the championship round again next year. As you said, not a lot of cap space, but they seem to be able to working it out. Um, might lose, as we said, some running backs, but um, they'll be flexible there. And at the end of the day, we've seen Aaron Rodgers... He doesn't need the best talent uh, to, to be a great quarterback and to lead a high-scoring offense. So, you know, they've got that good home field advantage up there. Uh, you mentioned about the tough scheduling, of course, um, against the NFC West um, and against the AFC North. So perhaps a tough schedule bumps down their record from 13-3 to 11-5 and five, or perhaps a 12-4 and four next year. But um, you'd have to say, and even I've had to say, that they're probably the favourites for the division next year, Gordo, well and truly. Yeah, I think as long as the defense can take a couple steps forward, like they showed towards the end of the year, I think this team's probably one of the most complete rosters in the league. So, yeah, probably 11, 12 win team again. Mm. 
Oh, well, that's our take on the Packers and, indeed, the entire NFC North and all the North divisions that we've covered today. Um, a little less news coming through as we enter a lull in the kind of NFL calendar before we hit the draft and, and, and uh, the offseason and we start getting, as I mentioned, a bit of a better idea about how teams will shape up going into the 2021-22 season. COVID's still uh, very prevalent, of course, in the US, so we won't be seeing back to uh, the norm uh, with kind of off-season camps and so on. So we're going to continue uh, wrapping up uh, each team season. We've got the uh, West divisions coming up uh, later on this week sometime. Or, sorry, probably into next week. Uh, so, yes, Gordo, I guess I'll see you then. Yeah, definitely. Okay, well, thanks to you guys for listening. The links to both our blogs in the description. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for the music of the song called Funkorama. The link to that is in the description. And yes, thanks to you for listening. Until the next show. See you guys.